Greetings, listeners. Welcome to the 963 Universal Frequency. I'm your host, Esther Clare, spreading awareness with an open heart, an open mind, living life and being free. In this episode, I will be speaking with Tezza Lord and wow, has she been living her life wild and free? Perhaps it has something to do with her Native American heritage. I hope she doesn't mind me saying that. She is truly connected to land. You can hear it through her words and when she describes her life journey. We are going to be talking about her books, in specific Hybrid Vigor. She shares her dark and negative experiences and how she overcomes them. We talk about animals and the connection that humans have with animals and how we too are animals ourselves. So we talk a lot about spirit animals and totems. And for those of you who are not aware of what a spirit animal is, it's used in certain spiritual traditions and cultures where the animal refers to the the spirit and it helps guide the person. It also is a reflection of the characteristics that an individual has. So we do talk about this in the episode. We go into the well, Tezza goes into more detail as to what it is. And in respects to the Indigenous Aboriginals of Australia, they actually have four totems. So they have one for their clan, one for their nation, one for the family, and one for their individual self. And the totems are actually given to them throughout their life. And it's phenomenal how they not only use these totems for dreamtime storytelling, but for biodiversity. For example, when a, a family or a clan has been given a, a specific totem, so say it's to do with uh, you know, the blue tongue lizard, that family is held accountable for whatever happens to that animal and its environment and its breeding. So say, you know, there's a lack of kangaroos somewhere, which is obviously never going to be the case yet. Uh, you know, it's, if the kangaroos aren't breeding as much anymore, it's up to that clan or that family to figure out what's going on, what's happening with the kangaroos and why they're not breeding. They're assigned to these totems so that they can protect this type of animal, so it's another way of, of how they use their totems. It's not just to relate to their, their personal self and who they are and their characteristics. It, it relates to the environment, biodiversity and for dreamtime storytelling. I also wanted to mention, I received an email. This was a while back now. I won't disclose the name. It was in relation to one of my episodes that I did on going plant-based. It was a nice email. However, she believed I could have elaborated on the meat industry and animal abuse. Obviously, I could, but that's not what my podcast is about. I'm happy to share personal information and my thoughts on topics. I may suggest, you know, give it a go, see how you feel. I always recommend that you do your own research and find your own perspective. I'm pro-choice. So if you want to go vegan, go vegan. If you want to eat meat, eat meat. Just know what you're eating, understand your body and what you're putting into it. So I just wanted to make it clear because in this episode, we do talk about animals and just because you might eat animals, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're an evil person and you don't care for animals and you don't have a a nurturing side. No offense to the person who sent the email. I actually didn't get a response from the email that I sent her. 
in return. So I hope I haven't lost a listener. But anyway, feel free to send me your comments or feedback. I don't do social media. I prefer to use podcasting as a form of communication. And if you want to reach out, just send me an email. I received a request to do an episode on the Ukraine but that's a little too close to home. Uh, I know people in the community, so out of respect, I won't do that. I may make comments in conversations, but that's a sensitive topic. Anything to do with war, I'm just not really. <laughs> I prefer to not fuel the fire. I prefer not to give an opinion on that because I just don't like it. Even talking about politicians is a bit of a, a weary one for me. I think I might stick to the gods and and the spirits realm <laughs> i feel safer there for some reason <laughs> so without further ado i will now play the conversation with Taza lord joining me for this episode all the way in saint augustine florida is Teza lord Teza is the host of the z lord podcast she's also a yoga and meditation practitioner an artist, spiritual activist, an adventurer, and she has her had had well, she has had her fair share of mischievous and rebellious experiences, which I think you will be sharing in this episode. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Tessa Lord is also an author and illustrator of the book In the Eye, Zen Love, and the book that I have truly enjoyed hybrid figure and what captivated me in this story is how you use metaphors and allegories I suppose I could term it as that how you connect animals to humans using characteristics and traits and and I feel like there's this element of ancient tribal storytelling as well I don't know if it's all right to say that but I do feel mm -hmm. that when you when you're telling the story and even those simple phrases that you use as well um, such as real hate is fear I really liked that. That just really struck a chord. It's an eclectic story of your life's journey. And I loved it. And I think it's oh, great. Good, good. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. And so like I said, I didn't want to give any spoiler alert. So, but you know, if, um, you know, we can, I guess, go deeper into some of the topics and some of the experiences that you share in, in the book. First off, could you please tell my listeners a little bit more about your journey and how you came to write the book, Hybrid Vigors? Well, hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here and share my story because I truly believe the more that we talk about the awakening of our consciousness, and especially our spiritual connection to this thing we call life, the more the planet will vibrate with energy and we won't be so shy to really own who we are and what we are. And we are much more than just these blood and guts you know, entities that are walking around. Mm -hmm. So my journey um, began many, many, many moons ago, <laughs> as the story goes, <laughs> sitting around the campfire. I, yes, I am very connected to the storytelling aspect. And I am, because I'm an American, and my uh, ancestry is half new immigrant. My mother was the very first born of, of the immigrants uh, that came from Lithuania during the last wave of the damn Russians wanting to take over the world. In, and my mother was born in New Jersey as a simple farmer. So I was brought up with simple farming peasant grandparents who were very connected to the folklore and the ways of doing things that uh, the ancient people did, the very simple people did in Eastern Europe. And then on my father's side, he had 
This people had come from the very first wave of pilgrims that emigrated to America to get away from the oppression of the British, uh, the religious restrictions. So I'm truly an American mutt. And during those early days, when my father's people were in America, there was a lot of uh, interbreeding with the Native Americans. So everybody always asked me about my uh, outstanding high cheekbones. Uh, I do have a lot of Native American in my blood because that's just the way it is. When you had early pilgrims here, they they uh, mated with the the natives, and so it it shows up. And it's it's one of the themes of my whole life's journey is that we are all connected. We are all just one big blended family of humankind, mm -hmm. and this is becoming much more evident these days because we can see, we can actually see on the internet how everybody is interbreeding and intermingling and, and inter everything and trans this and you know, over that and interconnected. So, so my journey as a child was just feeling connected to everything. And I had very cosmic experiences very early on, um, a lot of deja vu, like, oh my God, I've been here before. Oh, I recognize that person. Oh, I've been in this place that, you know, my parents said I had never been. So deja vu was just part of my life. And, uh, and so the mystical connection to, the, to this plane of reality was just a part of my, my uh, experiences. And I never was discounted about them. And I lived in my imagination. I only had one sibling, but she tells me these days that I was always into storytelling and I would line up the dolls. And instead of playing with them like mama, I would tell them a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would just love to tell stories. So that's really how my journey began from the very instant I was you know, born on this planet. Yeah, because you've you've done quite a bit of travel. So the West Indies and um, yeah, your, your traveling yes. experiences. What what brought you to uh -uh. to to go to the West Indies and those third world countries? What was well, anger like? anger is a very good tool. When people get angry, they should do something about it. Like in the in today's world, there's a lot of p political dissension going on in our country, unfortunately. I hope it's not with every country, but if somebody starts complaining about the current administration, how wrong they are, I just say, hey, why don't you go live somewhere else? Mm -hmm. So you can really appreciate what this country is all about. And so I was furious during the Vietnam era. Mm -hmm. And so I just picked up and left. By that time I had learned how to sail because I, I went to college in Boston, which is close to the sea. and I. I bought my first sailboat when I was pretty young and hit every single dock there was in Gloucester Harbor and to learn how to sail because nobody taught me. <laughs> I was not coming from a, a boating family. I, I basically came from a family that had poverty consciousness, like, oh, you can't do that. Oh, we can't afford a boat. You know, there were all these no's. And so that didn't set right with me. Mm -hmm. I started running away from my family mm -hmm. <laughs> at probably age five. I just, it didn't seem right to me that there should be restrictions. Like, okay, if you don't have money, well, just go and just see how it is. Mm -hmm. So after I learned how to sail, I, I definitely had to do something about my anger. And so I went to the West Indies and I sailed the West Indies for over 10 years. 
And uh, at various times, I would pick an island and have a business and, you know, get myself established and, and um, always support myself through my art. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if I was broke, in those days, you didn't even really have any problem with immigration. I'm talking, this is the 70s. That's how I'm giving away how old I am. <laughs> but uh, you, just, you just had a passport and that's all you needed. There was no problem with terrorism or anything at that point. Okay. And so you mentioned anger. You had a lot of anger. What, oh, yeah. what, was, <laughs> what was that from? Was that from your childhood? Experience? Yeah. I, I didn't feel right about what was going on in my family. There was alcoholism mm-hmm. and there was violence and there was abuse. And I, but even before that began, I knew something wasn't right. Uh, so I just kept running away. Like I tell you, I mean, literally as a little five-year-old, I would run out of the house and find a secret hiding place because it just didn't feel safe. It didn't feel right. And uh, as a teenager, I started drinking and drugging and I really started running away like that. And so I had a long history with addiction, which I'm happy to say is behind me for like, I'm, I'm now sober longer than I was when I was actively drinking and drugging. But, you know, drinking and drugging it also serves a purpose. It like pushes us and we either die or we learn to survive and really fly into our spiritual life. That's the whole essence of people who crave to be, uh, you know, out of their consciousness through drugs or alcohol. And what was it that actually, what was the, the light bulb moment, the epiphany of when you said, I've got to stop this and oh. <laughs> become a, you know, a spiritual activist? Well, there's such an evolution to our journey, isn't there? Mm-hmm. For me, there's, well, the addiction thing, uh, if anybody's ever had any contact with a true addict or alcoholic, they know that people do not stop unless they have to. So that's called the bottom. Mm-hmm. Every single person who gets into recovery did not just say, oh, I think I'll stop drinking and drugging today. No, usually something terrible has to happen, which is called the bottom. And for me, it was not an easy <laughs> recognition of, oh, that's my bottom. I had many physical bottoms, you know, literally being beaten up and waking up with broken teeth. And I mean, it was awful. And even, you know, somebody trying to kill me and all that. I got myself into some dark stuff. But for me, it was a psychological bottom where I finally, at the age of 35, I looked in the mirror one morning and I said, I looked in my eyes and I said, there's no one there. It's like empty. I said, where am I? I've gone. My spirit has fled. Mm-hmm. It was really frightening to, to know that I had nothing inside of myself except this craving for more drugs, more, more, more bad behavior, more incidents, more drama. Mm-hmm. So I dragged myself to the fellowship of the 12, 12-step fellowship, which is wonderful. It saved my life. It saved my life. You taught at some juvenile prisons as well? My first, yes, my first book, which is called In the Eye, mm-hmm. is about me wanting to share my journey with other young girls who had gotten themselves in big trouble. So they were in lockup. We call it juvenile detention, juvenile lockup. Detention. Yep. Right. And they're all uh, usually at-risk kids. That's the term they use here in the States, at-risk, meaning they came from a drug family, they came from a dysfunctional family, 
they were high risk from the very moment they started being in the system, the so-called system. The school would see them as high risk. So eventually these high risk kids, after they got, get in trouble enough, they're sent to detention. And uh, it's from anything from car thieving to um, trying to kill somebody. I mean, not a serious crime like murder or you know, high larceny or, or terrorism, anything like that. But, and so I, oh, I, I started with this vision. I really wanted to share the gifts of yoga and meditation because throughout all my life, I have done yoga and meditation, even though it was half ass. <laughs> but I mean, I knew there was a connection there between getting strong in my body, honoring my body as my temple, and, and honing the shining light in my consciousness, which is meditation. And so that's one of the intense experiences that I sought out as a teenager. So then I didn't get sober until I was in my 30s, mid 30s. So then I got better. And I worked on myself. You first have to work on yourself. And then I got married and I had stepchildren to take care of. And at that point, when the teenage daughter um, started rejecting me, because that happens a lot with stepchildren, I was sad because I wanted to share everything with her that I had learned. But she didn't want to have anything to do with it <laughs> because she was my stepchild. So I volunteered at... Um, a juvenile detention for young girls. And I said, if I can't give it to my own daughter, I want to give it to these girls who are really extreme cases. And that's how that journey began. And it's all documented in the book, In the Eye, which is really quite a journey because the transformation that you see when you introduce something like another way of being to somebody who's desperate, if they're in jail, they really, really want to change where they're at. Well, they just instantly have an, an instantaneous awakening. So it was remarkable. Yeah. And so you would have witnessed quite a few of yeah. the girls take well to I, it. And I oh, I witnessed like just instantaneous transformations. Like, for instance, a lot of people do not know how to breathe properly. And when the more the more tense you are, the more. Uh, your your breath is restricted. Mm -hmm. So the very first thing you learn when you go into a yoga class, if you have a good instructor, is how to breathe, mm -hmm. because breath is everything. And once you learn how to relax and let your lungs fill all the way up, and then release them all the way to the very bottom of the lungs, well, your brain gets energized with oxygen. So in the very first introduction to this whole community where I was teaching them how to breathe, everybody was going, wow, what's that? What are those sparkles? <laughs> and, and I said, that's oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> you, you start feeling awake and you start realizing that all this time in my life, I've not been breathing properly. So that's the very first thing that happens. And there's something magical about learning how to do a posture with your body that you would think I can't do that, but step by step, an instructor or a book, because I learned yoga from a book, step by step, you get your body into a position and then you say, wow, look what I did. And what happens is your brain is, becomes your teacher. Your mind becomes your teacher. You don't have to have somebody that you're, you know, uh, just leaning on all the time. If your body 
can do something it thought it could never do, well, then you automatically say to yourself, I can do whatever I want. You just have to get clear about what you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I find as well, the first time I, I well, I found when I, the first time I did meditation is, is how easy it was when you really focus and concentrate on everything that you're doing. The experience is so much more intense as you go further. I feel as if you kind of lose it a little bit. The first experience is, is the best experience. And then, you know, mm. well, I don't know, that's how I've kind of found it. There are days when it's really mm. good for me, but I remember the first time I really connected to source. It was just, yeah. uh, it's just been so different from all the other experiences. So yeah. No, no exactly what you're talking about, you know, because that first time when you're introduced to source, as you put it, it's startling, it's mind blowing. Mm. And you and you just say, ah, I, you know, it's like you always knew something was like that. And then the trick is exactly what you said is to maintain that connection. And so I've found that, yes, there are some days where your mind wanders or some days where it feels like, oh, if I could just get to that place. But throughout all the decades that I've been meditating, it doesn't matter what's happening when you're sitting for meditation. You just show up. You just sit and you and you clear your mind of, of thought and you go into that place of source. Mm -hmm. And some days it's more challenging, but it doesn't matter because you become accustomed to the journey. And so you develop the psychic muscle. Mm -hmm. And so what happens to me now, after having gone through those trials and tribulations, some days it's difficult, some days it's easy, but the thing is, it's always there. So like, for instance, the other day I was up, uh, I was asked to do a TV show and I had to go on stage. Everybody said, aren't you nervous? And I said, no, because I just pushed my third eye and I just say, okay, source, you're on. I have nothing to do with it anymore. And I let my ego go. And I know that that place, that, that place that I go to every day, whether it's hard or easy, is going to be the, the thing, the entity that takes over my consciousness. And that's what happens. With some of your experiences, have you come across etherical or celestial beings? And have you had, have you had any experiences with those? I, we all are. You know, every single one of us are celestial beings. And, and I think it's so interesting when people say, oh, I see fairies or I see this or I see that. <laughs> well, yes, I have had certain experiences with beings, but throughout all my journeys, the end of the line is we are all spiritual entities and beings in this physical form so the sooner we get to that place to recognize it the more comfortable the journey is mm -hmm. for instance I would, i'll just give you one example a friend of mine was tragically killed by walking into the helicopter blades and was decapitated but terrible but i didn't know how he was killed and i was staying in his house and i was uh, taking care of his dog and his and his house while he was away. He was a very dear friend in the West Indies, and so I was walking through this room, and and the, his dog Gorda means fat. <laughs> she was lying down, and right above her head was suspended my friend's 
head, just smiling and just hovering. And I said, well, now that's odd. And I just, I just observed it and I just noted it. There was nothing creepy. There was nothing like, oh, it's talking to me or anything. No, it was just coming to visit the dog, Gorda, my friend in his form that he had you know, suddenly found himself in. Mm-hmm. And he did not communicate or anything. He just was there. And, and then that's it. And so it was, and then the police came and said, oh, you know, your friend has just had this terrible accident. And of course I understood why I saw his head. So those sort of things happen Mm -hmm. a lot when you are open to this magical spiritual realm that is all about us all the time. But some people just close it off because they're so stressed out and they say, no, it can't be happening. Mm-hmm. but it is happening <laughs> with your your life's journey and um your life's journey and even the people that you've come across uh, drug ab- abuse and and um, oh yeah also i used to be called tequila tez <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> all of those experiences do you what what would you call that? Were they in your destiny that they were in your path? Had you created those experiences for yourself? What would you what's your perspective on going down well, that path? Yeah, well, it's karmic. It's karmic, definitely. And also in my case, I, I came from an alcoholic home. So some of it was genetic because there is a, a physiological. Uh, also aspect to alcoholism where you have a propensity they say that once you're a, once you're a pickle you're never going to be a cucumber again that means that you know metabolically yeah. <laughs> we're different mm-hmm. yeah. like if i if i had a little taste of alcohol it would really like be a bomb going off in my body mm-hmm. whereas other people could have a little taste of alcohol and it's like oh isn't that a beautiful taste but for me it's like a bomb so um I don't, and, and I crave that bomb because at the bottom of every addiction, whether you're addicted to a substance or sex or gambling or addicted to anything like dancing or exercising, you can get addicted to anything. Mm-hmm. It's wanting to fill up that emptiness inside, which is our spiritual yearning, mm-hmm. which every person has, whether or not it's awakened or not, it could be dormant. And, and yogic scriptures talk about that. That's, those are the chakras yeah. of the, the evolution of the spiritual consciousness. So when the, the, the awakening of our spiritual yearning happens right after we basically learn how to survive, it's the second chakra in, in the evolution. So for instance, if somebody's in a coma, they're still breathing. They can't function. They can't c- communicate. They, they have the very first level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. But if that person awakens and comes out of the coma, then they are in the second level of consciousness where they start creating. So their creativity is either going to be through their spirituality or their materiality. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of people get confused. But it's, it's that much of a basic yearning. So everybody has a spiritual yearning. And the drug and alcohol path, it's convenient. It's our culture. 
we alter our consciousness through drugs or alcohol. And in ancient times, we used to, you know, do tribal dancing or Sufi twirling or doing snow angels or somehow radically changing our our physical by doing something like, you know, jumping off a cliff. (laughs) Uh, But drugs and alcohol is part of our culture. So that's that's something that many people explore. But the people who get caught in the spiral, like kind of the quicksand of addiction, they go to a very dark place and they experience the opposite of the spiritual like rewards of feeling connected to source. So, so it's up to each person to exercise their choice and say, well, I don't want the dark. I want to live. I want to live in the light. And so through their own choice, they, you know, ask for help. You mentioned that to heal the earth, we must heal ourselves first. Mm-hmm. And, and how do people do that? How do people heal themselves? I'm so glad you asked that because everybody's worried about the planet. But the planet is a reflection of ourselves. We are, each one of us, a microcosm of what's happening out there in the macrocosm. And so if each person, instead of going out in the streets and carrying the banner and says, save the planet, save the planet, well, save yourself first. Mm -hmm. Look inside your own heart and scrub out any hatred and scrub out those resentments because those are the things that keep us stuck in darkness. Mm -hmm. And, And to do that takes work. You have to sit down and ask yourself questions like, okay, what am I resentful for? What do I, fe- what do I feel made me feel like a victim? Like I have no choice about things because mm-hmm. you are powerful. Each one of us is a God and a goddess, an angel in a, in a body of, of physical, you know, demise. It gets, it gets worn out. And then, you know, we go back to the source from where we came. And these are things that I actually experience. I'm not just blowing a lot of hot air out. I mean, I have, experience these things and I wish I had had some wisdom like that when I was young and I was searching but in this day and age people like myself are becoming more vocal and we have podcasts like you do and it's this information is available to everybody Mm -hmm. so if you really care about the planet look inside your own heart first and make sure there's nothing but love there because love is the healing balm for everything. First, we heal our own hurts, and then we emanate love to everything around us. And that's how the planet will heal through the shift of consciousness. How do people actually connect to Mother Gaia? What are, what are some ways that people can actually become a little more in tune with the earth? Oh, wow. Well, you're a city girl. Okay, so yes. let's talk about a city gal. <laughs> a, a city gal has at least some tree somewhere. Uh, a little bit. A little tree <laughs> or, or a little tiny plant on your windowsill. Mm, you I do ha- have you ha- <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, let's just talk about a city person because nature is, mm-hmm. is the teacher. Nature is the, is the transformative energy of what Gaia is all about and because nature is Gaia. Gaia is nature. Gaia is alive. Gaia breathes. 
Gaia is going to survive long after the human race does whatever it's going to do to each other. (laughs) Gaia is going to be okay. (laughs) So Gaia is the teacher. Gaia is the the best way to connect. So like, for instance, you're in a city and so you have plants and you just sit there and really look at your plants and say, hello, cousins. (laughs) Hello, sister plant and brother leaf. You know, and really feel connected to that plant, that living entity Mm -hmm. and the soil that it grows in, or if it's a hydroponic and, and just, just, even though it's stationary and it can't talk, it has consciousness Mm -hmm. and, you know, like you can even test it. You can, you could take a plant that's sick and, and say to it, I love you. I love you. I love you. And give it love and watch it get better in a few days. And maybe the plant will say to you, if you get quiet, because it communicates like, you know, to psychically. And maybe the plant wants to have not so much water, like you're drowning me, but you can't hear it because you think, oh, I got to give it water. I got to, me, 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 I got to give it water because I like water. Well, maybe that plant doesn't like water. Maybe it likes to be bone dry. Some plants like to be bone dry, like especially a cactus or an orchid. It doesn't like water, water, water. It likes just to have a little ice cube every now and then. So you can communicate. And of course, anybody who's got a pet, uh, because hybrid vigor talks about the animal connection, the best way is through a pet. Mm -hmm. You know, just look deep (laughs) in the eyes of your cat or dog or even goldfish or, you know, have a pet, anything. But the animals, the animals are, you know, our, our teachers. In many ways. I go camping quite a bit and I'll go out into the outback and I'll see a creature and, and it could be the ugliest looking reptile or bug or and I'm just so captivated by it. And I feel like lots of people are like that, you know, when it comes to dolphins. You know, oh, yeah. you go driving or walking across the bridge, you see a whole bunch of people just looking over, pointing at the dolphins. Like There's just this connection that people have I don't think they're really aware of or they're conscious of. We're just drawn to, to you know, looking at a bird or anybody that has some sort of compassion in them. You know, if they see an injured animal, they're quick to help it and take it to the nearest vet. And they live in the now. They live in the present. And like, yes. like with my dog, you know, haven't seen him for, a, you know, a day or so, like you, a couple of hours, and he just loves you no matter what. Yeah. It's not just to do with that household pet to do with right. any sort of animal um, well it's a, an important thing that people forget and you kind of mentioned a little bit about it like how people look at animals but most people forget we are an animal animal ourselves yeah we <laughs> are and 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 okay like I remember as a kid thinking wow I'm an animal you mean I'm like a dog and a cow and a deer and but you know I'm just in a different category I mean that's really mind-blowing when you reveal that to a kid and as we grow up we think oh we're powerful we can build skyscrapers we can build rockets we can build the internet we are indestructible but no we're animals and our consciousness is really connected to the animal realm and so once we once we realize that they're brothers and sisters, it's like 
I mean, I, I'm not a vegetarian. <laughs> I don't get into like the morality thing of, oh, you know, like I can't eat anything that has eyes or a mother. I, I believe that the divine is in everything. And I bless my food. And I've learned that from great masters. You do not have to be a vegetarian to love the animals. Yeah. Uh, but to feel connected to the animal realm and to, to feel that you are the steward of these animals, not just the planet on which they live, but every single animal, the little bug, the little ant, and the spider even. I mean, how many people have, uh, you know, what is it, arachnophobia? I mean, come on, they're just critters. They do their duty. They clean up your house of the bad little critters. Mm. And so it's very, that's the theme really of hybrid bigger. Like get off your high horse humans and realize that we're just like the babysitters of our brethren. Mm. And this is like an indigenous thing. You know, Mm. we are so connected to the animals that they impart secrets to us. And so each chapter in hybrid vigor imparts a secret that this animal is giving through their character, like turtle. Mm -hmm. Turtle is always going forward, always plodding forward. It never stops. Nothing can stop it. And it's impervious. It can't be hurt. Uh, You know, if it turns upside down, it somehow rights itself. And it's got this protective shell. And if something comes along to want to harm it, it retracts. Mm-hmm. And it goes inside, which is what we should be doing instead of fighting and going outward and, and saying it's mine. And, you know, so we should just go more inward until we feel more connected. And so the turtle has great, great lessons to teach us, as every animal does in their behavior and the way they relate to their environment mm-hmm. and the way they show us how to be more true to our animal nature. I'm not too sure about the Native Americans. I I would say they're a little bit similar to the Indigenous Aboriginals here in Australia, but a lot of their mm-hmm. storytelling in the dream time, they will use animals. Uh, yeah. the, the well, As the children are growing up, they're given a totem, I'm given a, a power animal. <laughs> so yeah. is, that, is that similar to how when, when you talk about oh, how yeah. they can relate to animals as well in, in a spiritual sense i've done a couple of quizzes where i've tried to see what animal i relate to and a couple of times i've gotten the bear and i've looked Mm -hmm. into the traits of the bear and i i I do think yeah quite a few of the traits yes but then there's one or two that i'm like "Mm, i don't know about that and i have also um had the the dove before the white dove and yeah i don't know how true these quizzes are but I, I do feel very connected to bears, even as a kid. I wasn't the type of little girl that played with with babies and Barbie dolls. It was the Care Bears, and I love mm. the Care Bears. I don't know if you remember uh-huh. the Care Bears, and they had uh-huh. that uh-huh. power, that frequency that came out of the stomach. Bears have always just been my my animal. So, do you have an animal that you connect well, with? I've got so many things buzzing in my head as you're talking. Okay, so the bear. <laughs> yeah. I I am also from the bear clan. Yay. of the earth <laughs> yeah there's a whole chapter about bears in my in my book a hybrid vigor mm-hmm. and so th- when i first was asked to really relate to what animal is my totem <clears throat> it was when i was preparing to do a native american sweat which is you know you a ceremonial thing where you prepare you must purify yourself before you go into a sweat lodge 
And then you get finally, you know, the last bit of you wrung out. (laughs) (laughs) So in order to to do the preparation, people are encouraged to find their animal totem. And so that's how bear first came to me through a meditation. And I was like you, I was surprised. It was a bear. Mm-hmm. But I'm not this ferocious grizzly yeah. that's going to go out. And, <laughs> but well, the ferocity is not just for any purpose. It's to protect. Mm-hmm. It's when they're feeling threatened. And yes, when something is threatening my family, my kids, I have been known to roar like a bear <laughs> and not kill anybody. But people should be called on their behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody does something disrespectful, I mean, Everybody's talking about what happened with Will Smith at the Academy Awards. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that was a very emotional thing for mm. everybody. When you're when you feel threatened, when your wife is being you know called names, mm-hmm. I mean that bear rose up in Will Smith. It roared up in him. And the way the the Academy was situated that year, it was like they they were in their living room. They were sitting there at a table, like ten feet away from the stage. It was like it was like this was happening in his living room. So, I mean, I can totally relate to the fact that he lost it. Mm-hmm. And and um, I'm not saying that everybody should lose it, but that, you know, he roared like a bear. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I have different totems for different situations. Like my land totem is the, the bear. My air totem, like you, is a bird, but mine is the great blue heron. Okay. And I think... You probably have a great blue heron also, don't you, in Australia? A heron that is blue. They migrate everywhere. Yeah, I haven't seen any in Western Australia, maybe over. Okay. Well, in this part of the globe, the heron migrates all the way from up in Alaska down to South America. It has a huge, huge pattern of migration. You find them everywhere. And... I relate to this bird because it's solitary and it often is seen by itself just with its head pointed into the wind and the wind could be ferocious and it'll just stand there on one leg like a Mm -hmm. yogi and just put its little head into the wind and, you know, kind of wiggle like a, like a bough of a tree, but it doesn't get blown over. And so I relate to the heron and in the sea, I also am a dolphin. So I have three totems and the dolphin connection is pretty amazing. I, I called a wild pod of dolphins to myself. You probably read about that in the beginning of hybrid vigor. Mm -hmm. It was a pretty mystical thing. And people can call animals to them without even uttering a word. You just get into a kind of a psychic calling and say, I want you, I need you come to me and they will come. Mm-hmm. I've had, I've had wild birds rest upon the top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> and it is, it is, it is the most amazing thing to feel the little, little feet of a bird who's decided that you are peaceful enough. Your energy is safe enough where they come and they put their little feet on top of your head and just sit there mm. and take a break and be with this creature that they feel drawn to. Isn't that, just envision that. And I did it two days in a row because I said, oh, that was too much. I mean, that must have been some freaky bird to land on top of my head in meditation when I was in this forest uh, situation. I was actually at a meditation ashram 
But I went back the second day and I said, okay, little bird, I'm here. You know, I'm saying this silently <laughs> and went into meditation again and the little bird came again. Yeah, I went, I was on a hiking, um, a hike with a friend and all these butterflies just flocked to me. And she was just like, Spanish is, I've got to get my camera. And she took a picture of it and, and they wouldn't go near her. And so she was a little devo, she's a little upset. <laughs> but anyway, we decided oh. let's go back there the next day because I wanted to see if it would happen again. And it didn't happen again. I, th I thought I had the power, but I didn't. <laughs> it it might have been the color of your blouse. It could have it been. Might have, it it, it might have been the color that it was attracting them. Yeah. We were, yeah. Well, we were both wearing white. And I thought uh -huh. maybe, it's, maybe uh -huh. it was a fragrance uh -huh. that I was wearing. Uh -huh. But I don't know. Uh -huh. a, That's really, is, that's phenomenal. I yeah, love that. Yeah. It's a nice experience. But yeah, it hasn't happened again. So yeah i'm just gonna say it was just one of those days <laughs> that's a gift that's a that's a very special gift that's yeah. made it may not happen all the time but it just <clears throat> excuse me each time it happens it reinforces our ability to connect psychically mm -hmm. and so the more proof we have of that you know the more people who talk about their experiences and share that it's not just some freaky thing that happens to only you know a professional psychic these things happen to ordinary people and especially the indigenous. I mean, you talk about dream times. I've never been to Australia, but I, I, I call often call my paintings dream times. And I've studied and read as much as I can about the walkabouts. And I so totally relate to that, you know, calling into existence an, a, a thing, you know, that it needs to have its own song. It needs to have the song line sung. I mean, that's so beautiful. It's, it's bringing ceremony and sacredness to our everyday life that we contemporary people have forgotten and we need more of. What's your perspective on the recent changes of our planet? It's for a purpose. Mm -hmm. For every action, there's a reaction. And when the pandemic began, I mean, I often thought to myself, maybe this is the totem animal of the planet. Maybe the coronavirus is the totem animal because a virus is an animal. And I can say that truthfully because my husband and I had been on this journey. That's how we started podcasting. And I wanted to find my current totem animal during this journey. And the very first night of camping, I contracted a bug, <laughs> oh, which stayed with me the whole six months that we were yeah. in the tent. And I, and I soon realized this stomach virus was my totem animal because a virus is an animal. And you have to acknowledge that it's an animal. So when the pandemic began, I thought, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be ironic if this totem animal has come to the planet to show us, to wake up, because it's going to kill us if we don't wake up. And many of us have died, unfortunately, but yet it gave us a wake up call. And many of us have, have even more dived mm -hmm. into our spiritual connection with this thing called life rather than getting into anxiety or depression. We have that choice. Yeah. I have chosen to go deeper. And the subject of our podcast each week 
is often that, you know, how we have that choice. So the climate change, I have been aware of it since I was a young woman because I was involved with botanical illustration when I came out of art school and I was working with earth scientists, geologists and botanists and ethno people who were studying the planet. And I knew from the 70s, from the late 60s, that the climate was, was going to be affected by global warming. So, but people have been in denial. It's just like the addiction thing that we were talking about earlier. When somebody is drinking and drugging to excess, they are usually in denial about it. If somebody says, you know, you're really you know, going over the line, ah, come on, we're just having a good time, we're partying. But denial is the number one symptom of any state of addiction. And addiction is a human trait. So what I'm saying is the environmental awareness movement is finally the bottom, the wake up call for everybody who's been in denial. And it's not too late. If everybody woke up, and I don't mean that in a political sense, like the way they're using that term. I just mean like, look around you and see that we are an excess. We are a culture of excess. We who live in cities, we who have, you know, become part of the internet world, which is a blessing because we can share the information. But do we have to be addicted to Facebook? No. Do we have to be addicted to TikTok? Come on, give me a break. You know, that's not my drug of choice. Mm -hmm. I know it's available, but, and I tweet and I Instagram, and, but those are tools. We don't have to be addicted to those things. So what am I doing? I'm raising awareness by my spiritual activism and the work I do, the books I put out, they're all about like the environment. Mm -hmm. They're all about being more conscious. And my latest book, I got to tell you, I'm so excited about the book I'm working on now. It's a novel because you can't portray a story by writing nonfiction because it has to stick to, to the truth. Even though you can use allegories and metaphors like you mentioned, I do with my nonfiction. But in this fiction story, great mother comes and gives us the message that we need. Great mother, which is the entity of creation in the female form, she comes and she manifests and she gives us the message of what to do. Okay. And when was, when will this book be released? Well, it's but just being finished right now. And I'm, I'm just so excited because it's going to be released soon. And um, I'm on the very last stages of it. So stay tuned. It will, oh, it will absolutely. Come. <laughs> but, you know, if some people get so depressed and I've even heard people committing suicide and young kids mm. going into despair. But why? Why waste your time being depressed about something that we can turn around just like any other addiction by saying, you know, I'm, I'm awake now. I know that that is not the way to go. And instead of being depressed, I'm going to go out there and, and plant more trees or making people realize that they don't need to be on internet so much. They can go out there and cultivate a garden or they could help you know, like a conservation movement or they can go and help the Native Americans or the, the indigenous of your country or, and, and because they're suffering because the indigenous people have sequestered themselves from this madness of civilization. Yeah. And they do a lot of prayers. Prayer is powerful. 
if we all just put our spiritual energy toward praying for Gaia, we would see the difference. We really would. Just like right now, I'm praying for Putin. That seems weird, but that's where I believe is the solution. This madman, I put him in my prayers and I bombard him with love. And I just feel that that's the solution for his, for his dementedness. I did see your YouTube on that. And I just, uh-huh. I thought about it. Uh, is she giving him love? <laughs> Why is she giving him love? And, but that does make sense. You know, um, you know, love is what beats fear. And fear is hate, as you had put in your the book, um, yeah, hybrid vigor. So yeah, and I, love is a, love is an energy. Also, love is a real energy, and it's just absolutely. as real as bullets. Mm-hmm. I absolutely mm-hmm. believe that. You know, you can love your car, and you can love that pretty dress, but th- that's nothing in comparison to actually loving another human being or you know loving a pet. I guess what I'm saying. It's a funny is, word. It's it's, it's a funny it word. It it's it's an action word and it's a noun word. Mm-hmm. So if you if you take it as an action word, I love that pretty dress. Okay, that's a little stronger than liking it. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to like it. You like the pink one more than the red one. The red one you love. Mm-hmm. Well, that's English is is a funny language because. Other languages will have a million different words for all these kinds of quote unquote love, but English has only that one word. And Mm -hmm. it's such an amazing language. I love language. So when you say, I I love to eat, you know, that's kind of gross, but you know, you could make (laughs) yourself a thousand pounds if you don't stop eating because you love to eat. Mm -hmm. But when you say, I love myself enough, so I'm not going to be a thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love myself and nurture myself. So I eat healthy, good food. And only when my body needs it, then you become in balance and you have a healthy relationship with your body, your mind, and your spirit. And that form of love is really the noun form. The noun form of love is a consciousness. It's the highest form of consciousness. It's the opposite of the negative um, depth, which is fear and hatred and anger and sadness. Those are, those are negative energies that really don't lead anywhere except to change. They're wake-up calls like, okay, we need to change something. And they're an emotion that we have to pay attention to, to change. Mm-hmm. Because the, the natural state of, hum- of a human is bliss. If, if you see a newborn baby, they don't come out of the world pissed off and <laughs> crying. I, I don't want to be here. They're like, they're in awe. You know, once they, they get over the shock, because a lot of them are forced to cry. And a lot of them cry because it's been a, a difficult journey through the birth passage. Mm-hmm. But once they get settled in and, and bathed and given a little something to eat, they're just in awe. They're just, they're in a total state of bliss because they're just coming from the source. They are truly a connection to the source. So you, we were talking about the pandemic and the changes that have been happening. How do people find the positives in everything that's happening? Oh, it's, it's getting better now, would you say? But Oh, yeah. Prior, prior to Here in everything. the States it is. 
to me, the biggest positive is it's been a worldwide wake up call, a reset. Like, okay, if your computer is on the blink or if your iPhone's just malfunctioning, what's the first thing we do? We reboot, right? Any, anything that needs to be adjusted and brought back into balance needs to be rebooted. You just shut it off and turn it on again. And usually that fixes the problem for mm -hmm. iPhones or simple computers. And many, many times that's all it needs. And to me, when the whole world realized, wow, there's a pandemic happening, it's killing people. That is a radical change from the whole century before until the, from the 1918 pandemic, where they didn't even know it was happening because nobody had international calls, nobody had international hookup. Well, they were totally unaware of the fact that there was a pandemic happening until 17 million people died. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 17 million. I think right now worldwide we're at 6 million. I think that I read really? that the other day. Okay. Yeah, it's big. It's big. And in the States, we're almost at 1 million. It's 900 something thousand oh. that people have died. So this is a serious wake up call. Everybody has had either a family member deeply uh, uh, affected by the disease or dead. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, many, many people in their family. It's a tragedy of a huge, huge undertaking. And, it, and it, it's, it's for a reason. It's not just like, oh my God, it's, why is it happening? Well, I believe in consciousness being the source. Mm -hmm. And consciousness is, is always, always providing us what we need to elevate ourselves to the next level. Because that's what consciousness is. It's a source of a vibration. You know, your podcast mm -hmm. is named after the vibration. Mm -hmm. The vibration is always happening. And those of us who are attuned to it are listening are always trying to lift ourselves up to that vibration. Like if you meet a person who's like, oh, a downer, Debbie Downer, oh, no. <laughs> you kind of don't want to be around that person, right? No, yeah. so because they interfere with your vibration. So the pandemic has interrupted this really low, destructive vibration that was happening worldwide. I mean, if you look at things just before the pandemic, people were going crazy with events and huge, uh, like, you know, uh, ways of distracting themselves with entertainment and this and that, and everybody addicted to going, go, got to go here, got to go there, got to get mm -hmm. to the races, got to get to the performance, got to get drunk, got to get, you know, more friends, more likes, and everybody just being frantic about more, 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 more. Mm -hmm. And so I think the pandemic has brought us the choice. Those of us who are aware of the fact that we have the choice, now that takes a consciousness of itself because some people feel they're a victim. Mm -hmm. And those are the people of the lower vibration and they know who they are and they might not know that they have a choice, but I'm telling you, everybody, you do have a choice. You can say no to that lower vibration and raise your vibration up by accepting that it's happening, mm -hmm. taking precautions. I'm vaccinated. These 
people who refuse to get vaccinated, I mean, I don't get into too much of a discussion with them because they bring my energy down. <laughs> and they all have their heavy opinions about what's going on. So I don't get into arguing with anybody. Mm. I do my thing because I want my vibration to be as high as it is, because I truly believe that the pandemic is going to is already bringing us to a higher level of awareness mm -hmm. and people have changed. People realize that death is right around the corner. Mm -hmm. Why not me? Why shouldn't I be one of the, to get killed to be, yeah. you know, to be infected. Why not? Why am I so special? Well, we take our precautions and some of us sequester in our homes. And like you, I, I don't go out too much, but I'm beginning to. And we don't even have masks right now. In my county, there has not been a COVID infection for two weeks. So this, uh, the government has said, okay, you, you can relax with the mask. Uh, but yet, if you go to a doctor's office, you have to wear a mask. But yet, if, uh, if you go to some places like a grocery store, it's no longer man mandatory. Oh, okay. So people are trying to have a way of living with our new totem, mm -hmm. which is the <laughs> coronavirus. Why shouldn't a virus be our totem, our spiritual totem? Why shouldn't we honor the fact that this little tiny virus that is an animal is showing us to wake up? And I honor the fact that the virus is more than just a deadly killer. It's also an enlightener because there are many people who are, have changed their attitude because of the coronavirus. I actually never looked at it that way, but now that you've said that, it makes a lot of sense. You know, that it's kind of weird. I know. A but lot of people are probably going to be mad hearing me say that, but I don't care. <laughs> no, I mean, I do think that the the world is, you know, people are waking up and I feel as if a lot more people are becoming spiritual from what's happened. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I can see that and I don't disagree. I think that's a great perspective to have. It's a positive one at least. And yeah, no, it is a shame that there's just that divide uh, mm -hmm. you know, they've had with you know vaccinated, unvaccinated. I I'm pro-choice, but I I hear you know you, you still get labeled as somebody that's anti-vax. But what do you do? It's like what do you, you do? Can't, yeah. You can't be perfect. Yeah. You can't please everyone, and everyone has different views yeah. about it. Yeah, like it a, is what it is. It you is know, yeah. People, pe people. Uh, I think a lot of it is the internet. You know, we've all become mm. geniuses. All, all of us become Googlers yeah. with, with authority. <laughs> all we have to do is type in and, oh, we, we know more than the doctors because I am in charge of my body. Well, I have great respect for people who have undertaken a study of life, the scientists, because I worked with scientists and people who have dedicated themselves to really understanding how the scientific world has um, you know, like proofs you have to prove and you have to reprove before things are really accepted. Mm -hmm. You can't just say, ah, I think this, you know, like Einstein, when he came up with his theory of relativity, he couldn't just think it out. He had to prove it. Yeah. And, and so the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Science is what is real is real. So uh, in this day and age, because everybody has access to the internet, they all think that they're smarter than the scientists 
because they Googled it mm-hmm. and they, the anti-vaxxers are of a different breed. But like I said, I don't argue. And I, like you, I'm, I'm a pro-choice. Anybody can choose whatever they want, but that doesn't mean that it's going to eradicate no. <laughs> the coronavirus because the, the virus is a hungry little bugger. And it really wants uh, even the last little person who has not had, you know, this protection. So, but I, but I, I'll listen. Like I had my teeth cleaned by an anti-vaxxer and I'm listening. You know, I've got my <laughs> mouth open. I can't speak. And, and uh, she's, she's talking about this. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, there's another person who has that particular way of thinking because they have a computer and they researched and they know more than the scientists. And I think that's rather funny. I think that's a peculiarity of humanity that we all think we're geniuses. And I know I um, am not. I know that there are people who know more about virology and immunology and epidemiology and all this parapsychology and all this stuff. They know way more than I do. So I follow the dictates of the scientists. No, I can completely see that. I can completely um, understand that whole perspective. I mean, Um, we we can't all be experts of everything. Like I can't give myself a root canal. No, I can't give my, I can't remove a brain tumor if I have one. And if there ever comes a day when I have to have a root canal, I'm going to go to the guy who knows how to do it. Mm. And if I ever have a brain tumor, I'm going to hopefully find a really good surgeon who can help me with that. And it's the same with anything that is uh, disruptive of the natural forces. I mean, there are people who have made it their life study. How can anybody presume that just because you own a computer, and you can do some research that you can know more than somebody yeah. who spent their whole lives, and especially teams of people. When you get teams of people, because I have worked with with scientists when I was, uh, you know, like I said, the botanical illustration I did early in life, and our specialty was plant medicines. I know a lot about plant medicines because I've worked with not just the botanists, but the ethnobotanists and the people who are called the taxonomists and the chemists and the geologists. It's like a whole field mm. of people coming together from different aspects, even, even the shifting of the continents throughout the history of, the, of our globe. It's got a lot to do with plant distribution and why did that particular plant grow on that side of the Andes and not on the other side of the Andes. It's, it's way more complicated science than people think. And, and, and these amateur people who do their little Googling thing, I think, okay, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> I, um, I, I had uh, detached retinas. This was a while ago. And, oh. you know, it was an emergency procedure. So I didn't have much time to think about it. Mm. And I, I, I didn't uh, look it up on YouTube. I didn't Google the actual procedure as to what happens until after I had the surgery and I was able to see because I didn't want it to, to panic me. But oh, I, wow. I YouTubed some surgeons doing the job and I just thought to myself, these guys are skilled. They are so mm. skilled. They pretty much have my eye and they're peeling back the back mm. of my eye and, and putting sutures and, you know. Oh, a, boy. And I just, 
it was an awful experience to just look at it thinking wow they did that to both oh my, my eyes. gosh and then they put your eyes back in and you're able to see it's just it's impressive <laughs> it's, oh it's phenomenal it's just amazing <laughs> just to think what science has achieved and for us to doubt them oh, i mean it's it's it's, an, it's like somebody saying well i don't believe in god well mm -hmm. okay that's your right but i Oh, you know, call source many names, God, the divine, the sacred. I do believe in it because I've had personal experiences and you have had personal experiences, obviously. And we who believe that there is a vibration that is real, like we can work with that instead of wasting so much energy saying, no, it's not real. It's like once, once you once you work with an energy, you become part of that energy. Absolutely. And I think so that the, so the pandemic has so many useful, wonderful aspects, like even the fact that you say you're not drinking as much. I bet you this is going to change your life because mm. you've taken a break from whatever your regular pattern was. And now you get to say, well, OK, I used to do this and now I do that. And what makes me feel better? Yep, I've I've actually <laughs> even been contemplating moving out country. So moving Ooh. away from the city, because I've been in the city for pretty much most of my life. <laughs> and now I feel like yeah. I want to be with trees. I want to be in nature. I want to get away from the, I feel as if there's this different type of frequency when you're, yes. when you're in the city, when I go off hiking, or even if there's just a hiking trail not far from, from the city, when you're in the city, there's another type of frequency. Obviously, you're surrounded by concrete, wires, pipes, traffic, lights, you know, um, then you go out into nature and you really notice the change in frequency. It's as if it's detoxifying your body. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I've definitely yeah. been contemplating. And, um, yeah, that might be happening. <laughs> well, see, that's a perfect example of you have reached a level of awareness where I, I use this very simple formula for how I work with evolution of even my own life or the planetary shift. It's awareness, acceptance, action. So you have had the awareness that, mm -hmm. ah, nature is calling to me. And you have awakened to that awareness. And the acceptance is right now you feel, hmm, I'm really feeling that it's a constant thing. And I accept the fact that I feel better in nature. I can't deny it. When I walk around in the cement buildings, I feel lower. So you're in the acceptance stage and you cannot jump from awareness to action without going through that stage of acceptance. Mm -hmm. So in order for you to, to, to make that move, it's perfect that you right now are talking about you're, you think you're ready because you're accepting the fact that I don't like this vibration that I feel walking around in the city. No, no, it's just, uh, and, and even the other day I recorded it, actually, I came out of the shops and I saw a drone, one of those small, drone. Dr small drones. I see drones a lot uh -huh. go past my, uh. my building, but they are police drones. They have a, a mm -hmm. it sounds a little bit like a helicopter. Um, oh, wow. But anyway, I was coming out of the shops and I saw a smaller drone. So people can actually buy these types of drones. And it was just going up and down this building as if it was peering into people's apartments. Oh, God, that's awful. 
And then it caught me video cameraing it. <laughs> it came pretty much floated oh and God. hovered above me. And then I guess it got bored of me and went back to the building and went to the other side of the building and started mm. to hover around. And I just thought, I can't live in the city anymore if things like yeah, this are that's, that's a That's a freaky modern kind of a peeping Tom. That's gross. That's nasty. Yeah, that's gross. It is nasty. Oh, God. We're going to have to have part two. We we will have to have part two. I'm, um, yeah, there's just so much more I did want to ask you. I guess uh, to end and close off this episode, is there any advice or any sort of takeaways well, I think it's really important that everybody chooses to live in love. And if you, if anybody looks inside their heart and says, oh, I don't feel that love. I, I'm really mad or I'm really sad or I'm really depressed or I'm really anxious. Then it's up to each one of you to look inside your heart and say, why? And really get to the bottom of it and scrub it out with your own self-love. Because once you practice self-love, which is to really embrace the fact that you need to do some cleaning out, some purification, mm -hmm. then you can shine your love everywhere. Mm -hmm. But it all starts with ourselves. And every single person has to be responsible for themselves. You can't go to your best friend or your child and say, you know, you really need to clean out those messy attitudes of yours every person has to recognize it themselves unless of course it's a small child and you're teaching the child if you're still in the teaching mode from age zero to 18 it's incumbent upon every parent to say mm -hmm. look you have a choice yeah. you can be positive you do not have to be negative yeah. so choose to be positive and start with loving yourself beautiful I love it. <laughs> great. I love that too. <laughs> it was great speaking with you. I love just everything about you, you know, your personality. It's great. Yeah, I just found out I have the same birthday as Billie Eilish. Oh, Billie really? Eilish is December 18th. And I love her. I love the way she just is like so herself and, you know, and she's the younger version and I've had to get to that place. But uh, there's something about Sagittarius. I mean, I, I, I really think it's terrific so i'm glad it's so glad to be able to share whatever i have with you esther yeah. thank you so much for sharing your inner wisdom i really appreciate it and yes we do have to do another episode and yes thank you again any yeah anytime maybe you'll get questions from listeners and we could start off with that or something absolutely okay yeah. thank you so much okay well Speak blessings soon. you too and, uh, <laughs> and may the love shine forever you also <laughs> thank you so much well, that ends the conversation with Tessa Lord. I'll also leave the links in the podcast description of how you can contact Tessa. You can check out her books, her website, her podcast, and perhaps you can get out into nature, find your spirit animal, do some earthing, some grounding, or hug a tree. I did that the other day, and it felt really good. Can't explain it. It just hugging a tree, you wouldn't think it, I probably looked like a crazy woman, but it felt good. Don't be that lazy person on the couch who sits behind a camera while their drone goes off and perves on people in their apartments. Get out into nature before that becomes you.
So please, people, be kind to one another and don't spy on people. Have an open heart, have an open mind, live your life and be free. Thanks for tuning in.